0: Close to 900,000 people are set to roll off low fixed rate loans, just as national house prices fall at their fastest pace in 40 years. Clive Palmer, the biggest political donor in the country, and the very last Boeing 747 leaves the production line. It's Thursday, the 2nd of February, 2023. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer.
1: Good morning, Michael. A couple of stories this morning purely for you. Obviously, the Boeing's one of them. You'll have to pick up the other one.
0: I'm looking forward to it. Now, immediately after the show, Sean, you've got a, a really topical, really interesting chat with Deborah Coram, the CEO of compliance training company Safetrack. Yes, it's all about the new
1: respected work legislation that was passed last year. All companies, big and small, now have to take heed of this legislation and there's a lot to it. And the bigger the company, the more complex it's going to be to get their head around what the new laws mean and what compliance means. And we talked to Deb all about that. It's a really fascinating chat. I must say, I mean, I had reported on the new laws, but I just didn't realize how detailed they were until we spoke to Deborah this morning.
0: Yeah. And for anyone in business, it's it could well be the most worthwhile 12 minutes you will spend because it's she summarizes it all very, very well. The main story this morning though, Sean, as we mentioned, the Reserve Bank thinks that close to 900,000 people will be hit by higher mortgage rates in coming years as a result of, of rolling off fixed rate loans. And that certainly won't be good for house prices, which we found out yesterday continue to decline at their fastest pace in more than 40 years. Yes, plenty in that. A couple of senior
1: reserve bankers were in front of the Senate inquiry into the cost of living yesterday. And while the Reserve Bank board makes the final decision on interest rates, board members rely very, very heavily on what the bureaucrats say. So ahead of next week's board meeting, the central bank managers yesterday said their estimate was that the number of mortgage holders soon to roll off from fixed to variable rate loans was in the high 800,000s. That's probably this year and next year. That is much higher than the parliamentary library estimate. That was about 535,000 fixed rate mortgages set to move this year and about another 140,000 next year. It means nearly 900,000 people will soon be paying much more on their home loans. And that's a big concern particularly when prices are already falling fast. It means people will be paying six point something on their home loan or seven point something, not the three or the two point something they're paying now. Now, yesterday, the CoreLogic National Home price figures were released. They measured January house prices and, yep, They were down another 1% across the country and 1.1% across the capital cities. The capitals are down nearly 10% on average since April last year, which was the peak, and the drop has almost matched the falls between 2017 and 2019, immediately ahead of the COVID surge. Rising mortgage rates remain the key driver of the slump, Michael, and the bad news is that many of those higher home lending rates are yet to kick in people simply can't afford to spend as much now as they could 12 months ago. That's the bottom line. House prices are falling faster than unit prices because units are more affordable and regional prices are holding up better than the capital cities.
0: Right. So where then are house prices falling most? Well, in January, the biggest drop was
1: in Hobart where prices declined 1.7%. The fall from the peak to now in that city is nearly 11%. Brisbane prices fell 1.4% last month, down about 11% since its peak. Sydney was off another 1.2%, down nearly 14% below its peak. That is quite the slump. While Melbourne's figures are 1.1% lower in January and
0: 9% below its peak. And as you mentioned, Sean, with with rates being the key driver of, of this drop, there's little hope of a turnaround anytime soon.
1: That's right. Particularly when you take into account what the Reserve Bank said yesterday about the number of people that are going to shift to those higher rate loans. The Commonwealth Bank expects a national decline in home prices from peak to trough of around 15% should the Reserve Bank lift the cash rate by a quarter percent next week to 3.35%. AMP Shane Oliver reckons a top to bottom will measure between 15 and 20%. Now, of course, we've got to remember the context. The market boomed during COVID, so prices are still well above where they were in early 2020, but it looks like they've got a ways to go. Things will eventually turn. I mean, migration is booming at the moment. There's a rental squeeze on that will force buyers into the market,
0: but probably not anytime soon. even, Even with the context in mind, it's still a pretty anxious time, isn't it, for an awful lot of mortgage holders? Yeah. I mean, people who have taken out
1: a mortgage in the last three years or increased their mortgage in the last three years, suddenly they're paying
0: a lot more for it. That's pretty tough. Yeah, absolutely. All right, local markets. What happened yesterday?
1: The S&P ASX 200 finished the day up 0.3% to just over 7,500 points. In fact, earlier in the day, it actually hit its highest level since last April. Now, gains were broad across the index with real estate companies doing pretty well. Energy stocks were the underperformers. The big one was Travel Group Flight Centre, which started trading again. Remember the day before it announced that it had bought a luxury brand in the UK It jumped 8% yesterday to $17.11. Telstra and South 32 were the best of the large caps. Woodside Energy was the worst, or at least it was the biggest underperformer. And Commonwealth Bank hit a record high yesterday of $110.81. It finished up slightly at $110.15. Just a bit of corporate news around an interesting one. Austell got some attention it didn't need. Leading Republican Ron DeSantis, who could well be a presidential candidate, Back concerns by a party colleague over Austell's involvement in helping to build submarines and ships for the U.S. Navy and U.S. Coast Guard. That's the sort of attention the shipbuilder doesn't need. Atlas Arteria rose after its investment plans were approved by the French government. Maggie Beer Holdings did pretty well too. After second quarter sales increased, the reject shop fell back. It's had a new CEO, well, the CEO's been in place for seven months. His name is Phil Bishop. He stepped down for personal reasons. And finally, credit corp said its net profit dropped 30% in the first half of this financial year. That's due to provisioning and US resourcing costs.
0: And Sean, it's worth a quick mention of yesterday's interview. If you didn't catch it, it's worth going back and having a listen to Chris Breike, the CEO of Online Investment Advisor Stockspot, basically about uh, the state of the local market and the outlook for the year. A fantastic interview for investors. If you did miss that one, international markets, what's happening?
1: Well, not a lot
0: of action, really. I mean, relatively speaking.
1: (laughs) Some pretty sanguine wage cost data in the US helped Wall Street. This is the bad news is good news when it comes to inflation. Not too much happening around oil and gold, and the Aussie dollar is worth around 70.5 US cents. But Michael, I do have my first story for you now.
0: Go on. I know that that you're probably working off a list of stories that I've expressed previously an interest in, which include things like aircraft and space and petrol prices and things. Yep. Yep. So yesterday, National Senator Matt
1: Canavan, in a Senate inquiry, asked a senior BP manager directly why diesel prices were about 60 cents a litre more than unleaded fuel. Yes. He did what you... Normally, do and say, I went past the petrol station and why is my diesel car costing 60 cents a litre more? It was as simple as that. Now, BP's Asia Pacific Vice President for Supply and Midstream, a woman called Vesna de Tomaso, said the increased price for diesel compared to unleaded petrol comes from two things an interruption in supply from Russia. Now, Russia historically is a key supplier of diesel. And strong global demand, and that's pretty much because we're in winter in the northern hemisphere, so less supply, higher demand, therefore prices are up. That's diesel, but that's not really affecting unleaded. So, Matt Canavan, he's done us all a favor. Hopefully, he's shut you up by explaining or helping someone explain exactly why diesel prices are so much higher.
0: Uh, uh, well, look, I understand why. It doesn't mean I accept it uh, and it doesn't make me feel any better. So I will continue to complain. Yeah, you'll keep griping for a long, long time. It's what I do best. All right, we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, mining magnate and former politician Clive Palmer was the biggest individual donor last year with his company Mineralogy donating nearly million to his United Australia Party. And didn't that turn out well? I think they won one seat in the Senate. That is a very expensive seat, isn't it? Very expensive seat.
1: <laughs> Look, cardboard and recycling king Anthony Pratt was a big donor, as usual, providing nearly $4 million to the big political parties. About half went towards Labor's victorious election campaign. The donations were revealed in disclosures by the Australian Electoral Commission yesterday. Labor's campaign also received more than a million dollars from the Communications Electrical and Plumbing Union, and nearly 400000 from law firm Morris Blackburn, who is traditionally a big supporter of the AOP, Powerful lobby group, the Pharmacy Guild of Australia donated $310,000 to Labor and online platform Airtasker was among the top 10 donors, giving Labor $110,000. That was a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't realise they were big donors.
0: No, not did I. All. all right. The near $200 billion future fund, Sean, has recorded a 3.7% loss for last year as equity and bond markets fell, but it was better than the average loss in median balance super funds. Yes. Now, the Future Fund has about $197 billion in it, and we all own it. It's our money.
1: Last year, markets went backwards as interest rates rose and earnings from the fund fell. Chair Peter Costello, who actually established the fund back in 2006, he was Federal Treasurer back there, that just sold Telstra had about a $60 billion hanging around, so they put it into the Future Fund. Good on them. Well, yesterday, he said global interest rates will keep rising, and that poses recession risks to developed economies. He said the Future Fund's defensive posture limited the larger declines recorded in equity markets last year. Very, very true. Also, we should note over the past 10 years, the Future Fund has delivered an average return of 9.1% against a target of 6.7%. So it's done
0: pretty well. I love that you describe the uh, formation of the future fund as being a consequence of just having $60 billion just hanging around. Mm. That's what I like about you, Sean, is that you just put things in language that I can understand. <laughs> so you understand the idea of having $60 billion hanging around? Well, it's a goal of mine, yes. Yes, true. Anyway. Aspirational. Yes, it is. Now, Australians cancelled more than 1.3 million video streaming accounts in the December quarter as cost of living pressures and inflation really hit household budgets. Yes. So, research company Kantar's Entertainment on Demand survey found
1: 6.1 million Australian households subscribe to at least one streaming service in the December quarter, according to the report in the Financial Review. That's about 60% of the households. Now, the proportion of Australians with Netflix fell for a fourth consecutive term to 76.8%, but it is by far the dominant platform. Number two is Amazon Prime Video at 33%, Disney's at 31%, then comes Stan. The number of cancellations was led by Apple TV, which had a 22% churn rate, it's a fair bit, Optus Sport with 20% and YouTube Premium with 18%. Now, Michael, how many streaming services do you have in your house? Uh,
0: about five or six. Right, we have a lot. I I have a theory on this, Sean, and I, mm-hmm. I'm sure you are desperate, desperate to hear it. Absolutely. But the reason why Apple TV has had such a high churn rate—twenty-two percent—and and and that's consistent with our household as well. We actually got rid of one streaming service in the last six months, and it was Apple TV. And the reason is because they just don't have the same number of shows on there. Yep. They just yep. and, and once you have watched Morning Wars and once you've watched Ted Lasso and once you've watched Loot, there's nothing else to watch. Ah, you like Loot, do you? Yes, it's a great show. Did you oh, enjoy it? Oh, I can't, the, the actual house in Loot, so it's a
1: story about a woman who's divorced and very rich. Uh, the house she lives in is actually, I think, the most expensive house in LA. That's kind of why I know about loot. I have watched it a little bit. I'm not a huge fan of it, um, but I, I totally agree there's less content on
0: Apple TV, so yeah. you're going to get more churn. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it, I'm not surprised by this survey. In fact, I'm going to claim it as, as supporting my own hypothesis. Okay, so you've got
1: five or six. I've got, I think, seven or eight streaming services. On average, Australian homes have 3.4 streaming accounts, which is actually down from 3.5 in the September quarter. It doesn't sound like much, but if you take that across... 6 million Australian households, that's
0: a lot. Mm. And I would do that maths for you, but I would embarrass myself. But let's not. I won't. All right, moving on. Things are ramping up in Canberra, Sean, with Labor yesterday saying it will push ahead with the second tranche of its IR agenda this year. Yes, this is
1: a big one. We're going to hear lots and lots about this for the next six months, Michael. Workplace Relations Minister Tony Burke will meet next Wednesday with the Business Council of Australia, the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, the Australian Industry Group, Master Builders, ACTU and COSBOA, that's the Council of Small Business Organisations of Australia, to consult on legislation to be introduced in the second half of the year. There's a bunch of controversial issues in this one. They include the notion of same job, same pay, the definition of a casual employee, how to deal with the gig economy, wage theft, minimum standards for people like long haul drivers, uh, having a low cost way to deal with disputes for independent contracts by the Fair Work Commission and then stronger protections against discrimination. There is plenty in this and it potentially will be the big topic of the year in politics also Michael quick note today Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and Northern Territory Chief Minister Natasha Files will discuss what immediate action can be taken in Alice Springs as a result of an unpublished report on the social crisis in the town and surrounding Indigenous communities let's hope some progress is made there
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to overseas news now, Sean, an Indian energy giant Adani has survived a major test following serious fraud allegations raised last month by US short seller Hindenburg Research, successfully raising $3.6 billion in capital. Yes, I'm
1: sure Adani is relieved by this. The fully subscribed raising for the parent company will ease some pressure on its vast network of assets. Of course, that includes the $2.5 billion Carmichael coal mine and associated infrastructure in Queensland. Adani companies have lost around $65, $70 billion in share value in the past few weeks. Gotham Adani's personal wealth has also taken a major haircut. He's lost about 50 Billion. He's now fallen out of the top 10 of Bloomberg's billionaire index ever since that Hindenburg research came out. That research alleges fraud over many, many years. Adani totally rejects that claim, but certainly it's been enough to trigger this massive sell-off.
0: Finally, Sean, the story that I have been absolutely hanging out for because you teased us with it early on, Boeing yesterday delivered its last 747 at a ceremony in Washington state to cargo carrier Atlas Air. Officially ending 53 years of production of the Queen of the Skies. Yes, the plane was introduced at the Paris Air Show back in 1969. It pretty much
1: captured the spirit of the jet age. It had big capacity, it was efficient, and it could just fly a long way. Its range was enormous compared to other planes at the time. Basically, people say it made commercial flight affordable to the masses or democratized air travel now over five decades boeing built 1574 747s for more than 100 customers according to financial times the tail is as tall as a six-story building it travels a length of three football fields in one second and the largest version could transport more than 500 passengers an incredible vehicle production has been going backwards for years as the market gradually shifted to favor more efficient twin engine jets even for the long routes
0: i love sean once again how you simplified things for me it could just fly a long way (laughs) thanks sean (laughs) real fast You really summed up the uh, 747 there in just a few words. All right. Up next is the Fear and Greed daily interview with Deborah Coram, the CEO of compliance training company SafeTrack. Yes, all about
1: respected work laws that were passed last year. If you own a business, if you work for a business, that's pretty much everyone, you should listen to this interview. Very, very important issue and changes that will affect all businesses in terms of how behaviour is tolerated in the workplace.
0: Yes, coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Thursday, the 2nd of February, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online as well on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.